You're listening to the 1208-Bit Nerd Church Podcast. Join us on Discord. We have been going through the chaos monsters, chaos creatures of the Bible, or as we call them in modern English-Japanese, kaiju. Uh, Giant monsters that attack cities, you know, we see that in uh, a lot of our media these days. But uh, those kind of creatures existed in the Bible too, except they were more of like a, rather than the scientific thing from the bottom of the ocean, they were more like mythical, spiritual Creatures like little G gods, or um, um, just kind of like, as we've said already, Leviathan could represent like the underworld itself, Sheol. Um, uh, the Bible has them as like metaphors of pure chaos being poured out on the earth, stuff like that. Anyways, um, with Behemoth, uh, Behemoth really just shows up in one spot in the Bible, and that is in Job 40. Behemoth is not like the peak of the chaos monsters. Leviathan is the peak of the chaos monsters. But Behemoth is like right before Leviathan. And a lot of different scholars, when they're reading this and they're trying to think, okay, what is Behemoth? What kind of creature is Behemoth? Um, They listen to the way he's described and they try to think, what did Job see that maybe was like that in real life. And I want you to take a guess as to what that is after I read you the description. So what animal, if it was a real life animal and not mythical, what real life animal do you think I'm describing when I read this poem from Job? Behold behemoth, which I made as I made you. He eats grass like an ox. Behold, his strength is in his loins and in his power in the muscles of his belly. He makes his tail stiff like a cedar. The sinews of his thighs are knit together. His bones are tubes of bronze, his limbs like bars of iron. He is a first of the works of God. Let him who made him bring him near his sword. For the mountains yield food for him. Where all the beasts play, under the lotus plants he lies. In the shelter of the reeds and in the marsh... For his shade, the lotus trees cover him. The willows of the brook surround him. Behold, if the river is turbulent, he is not frightened. He is confident enough. He is confident, though Jordan rushes against his mouth. Can one take him by the eyes or pierce his nose with a snare? Okay, based on that poem, what modern animal do you think Bible scholars like to think behemoth is? No one's got anything. Okay, fine. Hippo. Hippo is where a lot of them land um, because this creature, uh, it's not in the water, like at least to the same extent to which uh, Leviathan was, this kind of water dragon, but it certainly sounds like it's in a marsh, you know, like it's walking against the water. And so they use hippo to describe what they think uh, a behemoth is. Um, But again, the way that it's described uh, is not is not something. It's just not low key enough to describe a hippo. It's certainly 
is intense. Hippos are intense. And if you've ever done the research on how dangerous hippos are, well, let's just say that they're pretty terrifying when it comes down to that. But um, this poem still, especially because it's right next to Leviathan, it sounds more like it's describing like a little g-god or a, a mythical creature of sorts. So, what does he represent then? Uh, one of the things that will help you realize that he's not a hippo is because <laughs> when you look at Job's poem, he says, where's uh, the part about the tail? He makes his tail stiff like a cedar. The sinews of the thighs are knit together. Uh, a cedar in the Bible was like the redwoods of the Bible. Those were huge trees. And it's almost hilarious to, to think of, of uh, a hippo as having a tail like a cedar. Um, so that, that doesn't really line up very well. Yeah, um, that's weird. <laughs> it would... That would, uh, it's, it's, it's funny, you know, cause like people would push back and be like, well, it's a poem. It's like, okay. As someone who likes to write poems, over embellishment only works to a certain degree. This one's pushing it a, a bit too far. Um, but yeah, so. But that, I love exaggerating that, everything. That's a little over exaggerating though, don't you think? Unless you want to go the route that. No, never mind. I'm not going to get into You're it. You're not going to go Wait. there. Well, are you are, are you going to go to the point where maybe hippos at one point had tails? Is no, that what you're... No. No. I, if I you look at my just art, talking I make about a it. Do it, but I'll stop there if you don't want to go there. I have kids in the room. I just I'd say I'd love to go there. I well, have going there is, is my favorite you, thing. We, we could do we, you can go we could go there without actually overtly going. <clears throat> Okay, we're going to do our best to go there. A tail stiff, like cedar, could describe a different kind of tail, if you want. <clears throat> but if we are talking about a euphemism here, uh, if you've ever seen a hippo's euphemism, <laughs> it does not well describe that part of it too as it is usually retracted within a hippo anyways i i have a whole footnote right here if anybody wants to look at it describing more of the details Let's not talk about euphemisms and looking at your footnote <laughs> when i when i say footnote what i mean is anyways i think that's enough we've covered that okay <clears throat> What oh, that just made my heart so happy. Whatever the case may be, we could be talking about Behemoth's tail or his other tail, but neither of the way Behemoth's two tails are described matches a hippo's two tails. Uh, is that helpful for everybody? Yeah? Okay. Good, good. I will pause for a moment. Anybody want to say anything so far before I get into the next part? Well, the only the only animal that I could think of that's both Carl mountainous and river, or potentially mountainous. I mean, would be a I don't know. Like, there's not a whole lot of options when you think of mountainous animals, really. 
Because mm. you're talking, you're talking very few that would that would fit a category of a large animal outside of like a bear, um, a mountain lion, uh, you know, leopard, um, something like that. Could you, you know, the only thing that when you were first talking would be an elephant came to mind, but again, that's not a mountainous animal. You don't find those in hills. Mm-hmm. Those are flat plains. So, it would be really hard to say what it could be. Yeah. Well, it also helps to realize it's probably not an animal, but more like a mythical being. Because Job said that this was like the first of God's creation. Uh, and does anybody remember the part in the Bible where God made the hippo first? Because <laughs> uh, not ringing a bell. Um, however, chaos monsters, um, in ancient culture, chaos monsters were very kind of like water-like and um, um, everything first like that. necessarily mean chronologically first. It could be the greatest of his creation. Yeah, you can also go that route. Um but, like, the workaround for some people, when you're thinking, like, chronologically, they'd be like, well, God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds of livestock and everything that creeps on the ground. So a, heap, a hippo? A hippo? A hippo is a, a beast of sorts, and so maybe it could fit into that. But that still doesn't quite make sense of it. But there, because Leviathan is pulled out of a different kind of culture, and Job does not seem to be Jewish and is from a different culture from what I assume based on what I read, we would then think that Behemoth is from another culture as well because Job is from another culture, taking what he believes and subjecting it to God. We don't have uh, any beings in other other, um, stories named Behemoth necessarily, though, but we do have one story about Arshu, um, which that could possibly be in line with what's being referenced here. Um, Behemoth, or Arshu is, uh, um, let's see. So one scholar points out that Behemoth is paired with Leviathan and Job. Uh, But in uh, Ugaritic culture, there's a a beast creature named Arshu that's paired with a seven-headed sea dragon which is exactly what Leviathan is. So is it possible that Behemoth is basically just like a, another phrase or name related to Arshu since Arshu is connected straight to Leviathan and other creatures? I can't think of many creatures uh, nowadays, but we uh, we do have a lot of um, uh, dinosaurs that seem to match that description of a, a cedar-like um, tail. Yeah, and See, some, that that's that's what my thought was is is that would be describing like a like it doesn't even need necessarily need to be a creature that's still alive mm-hmm. or around. It could be something that was long extinct by then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some people have tossed out that idea in scholarly articles. In general, from what we can tell from science, it's unlikely that that would be the case. But, you know, just like we have our legends of, like, Nessie or something like that, it could be, like, a growing kind of mythological thing like that. But 
when we look through a lot of ancient cultures and we see a lot of ancient beasts like this, it then also becomes very simple to just be like, well, it could very easily be that. Or like Greek culture, you know, when you look at all the the gods of the Greek world, you have titans, you have all these different kinds of things. And none of us look at Greek culture as like, I wonder if the titan was actually like a, a rock monster that they saw on a mountain. When, you know, like we don't, we don't think about that in these degrees. And that's the kind of context that ancient people are very used to. Because that was one of my first thoughts too, is it was a dinosaur that was still around at that time or just Nessie style, you know, but um, because ancient cultures have so many creatures, it works easy for me to just go that route. Um, not that you can't yeah. learn the same lessons if you go a different route. But then, yeah. there and again, too, um, you know, ancient cultures, I mean, for things that they didn't understand what they were, that, that you know, they would see something or maybe the light would hit a, a rock face in a certain way. And, you know, I mean, some, some rock faces out there actually look like genuine creatures or they look, they have specific designs that you could see how they could be mistaken for a monster or something like that. So, I mean, a lot of ancient cultures, that's how they would describe things that they didn't necessarily understand. They didn't know what it was or what it could be. So the only way to describe it would be in a lifelike way that would give some sort of uh, context to it. You know, instead of just saying, oh, it's, you know, or what, what is this, you know, that at least would give some sort of context as people were reading or something like that saying, oh, okay, I kind of see what they were seeing here or, or it helped them to better understand what, I guess what was saw or maybe what was felt, the fear that was felt or, or astonishment or anything like that. It, it you know, mm. I mean, that's how a lot of ancient cultures just ran. Yeah. Well, you know, the hybrid is for I, them. Leviathan might be a mythical beast, but at the same time, they might think, no, he's actually out there. You might see him manifest if you were to go and it can, it can play both parts at the same time, I think too. Right, right, right. I'm just, I'm just saying that a lot of times things like this were given, were given deep context in order to help people better understand um, maybe what was seen that couldn't be explained easily. I mean, we still do that today, don't we? With, with claims of UFOs or strange lights, strange lights in the sky that we, you know, well, it didn't really look like a plane, so, you know, different things like a, a, that. Yep. I mean, we still do that. We still give context and creation to things that we can't necessarily put a finger on what it was, so we just create context around it to help, I guess, bring other people into the way we were feeling what we were seeing. Yeah, and ultimately you get the same theology of what's being communicated, whether you go mythic, dinosaur, animal, like the the main gist is God is bigger than all of it, and whatever chaos is out there, he can slay it. Um, right. Just for me, the, the, the ancient culture chaos creature style fits all the data very well, so I tend to go that route, but it, it doesn't ultimately matter theologically which way you go you know can i 
throw some stuff out here. Yep. <clears throat> cool. I don't know where I can post this. Uh, well, I'll post it in a minute. But um, Bahima is the singular of cattle. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And Bahimot is plural, just like Elohim is a plural word, but when they talk about God, they still use the plural, not because of some Trinity really, uh, belief, mm -hmm. but because of an, a, a magnifying plural, an intensifying plural. Mm -hmm. And Bahima would be like super cow, basically, <laughs> or Bahimot would be super cow. And um, you probably aren't going, are you, you're not tackling Ziz anytime, are you? Tackling what? One of these. Are you tackling Ziz, Z-I-Z? No, I'll go more. Okay, I didn't want to jump ahead of you if you're going to do that later, but it's not really, it's in the Bible, but it's not, it's all never translated that way, so I don't want to, you know, jump in there if you're not going there, because it's not a major thing. Oh. Um, but anyway, there's a trifecta in Jewish mythology of Leviathan, Behemoth, and Ziz, and that's sea, earth, and sky, and Behemoth is more like wilderness and that kind of stuff. Um, by the way, so, uh, there have there are cow cults uh, in, and there's also the bull of heaven in ancient Mesopotamian, you know, uh, Ugaritic and whatnot, um, which uh, I believe uh, Baal called upon, and also Baal Hadad appeared as a bull um, and mated with a, you know, anyway, however, some other things like that. But anyway, point being, there's like a lot of stuff with that, the bull thing, and um, I'm going to post something in Allies. Uh, so you can see it, but this is a thing of the of of you know Leviathan, Behemoth, and Ziz, and you have basically a giant cow and a giant fish and a griffin-looking thing. <laughs> um, so I mean, anyway, it it yeah. So like I said, the cow's virility is a uh, factor, uh, a bull, you know, yeah. and um, so anyway. I, I'm pretty sure the at least that's what I'm going with. I don't obviously go directly there. If you look at the other little sticker above that, you have uh, this crazy demonic cow, but with a giant tail and like an ankylosaurus kind of thing with the tail. So I kind of nod to and play off of the mm -hmm. euphemism uh, without directly going there. But um, anyway, just wanted to throw that out there. Uh, that's what I found in my research. We are going to use Ziz because I already had a thing that was going that direction. Um, you know, we're going to, but, it, but it's actually technically described as a lion with eagle wings, exactly like the beast, the first beast from the sea in Daniel's vision, uh, Daniel 7. But anyway, but again, Ziz isn't a major thing. Really, Leviathan's the most major, and, and Behemoth would be second, you know, biblically speaking. Yeah, but anyway, just want to throw that out there. Yeah, well, that's good research. Um, there, there's a bunch of popular Jewish literature too uh, between our testaments. That's why we call it intertestamental literature. It's not the Old Testament. It's not the New Testament. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's also not even scripture. But sometimes your scripture writers do reference the intertestamental literature, which means. Even if they didn't elevate it to the point of canon of the Bible, it still is important reading for them. Just like we today have plenty of important reading, though we wouldn't call it scripture. Um, so when some, some of the more well-known 
uh, Jewish literature that kind of traveled around with the Bible, uh, they'll they'll get into um, behemoths more because they see this in Job, and they're trying to make sense of how it's the first creation and all that, and so they weave it into their own literature. So I'll pull from two Ezra's, second uh, Ezra's six forty-seven to fifty-three, um, and here's here's like the Jewish people, the Hebrews taking their own scriptures and reimagining the creation story with light of what Job says. So, on the fifth day, you commanded the seventh part where the water had been gathered together to bring forth living creatures, birds, and fishes, and so it was done. The dumb and lifeless water produced living creatures as it was commanded, so that therefore the nations might declare your wondrous works. Then you kept in existence two living creatures, the one you called Behemoth and the name of the other Leviathan. And you separated one from the other for the seventh part where the water had been gathered together. It could not hold them both. And you gave Behemoth one of the parts that had been dried up on the third day to live in it, where there are a thousand mountains. But to Leviathan, you gave the seventh part, the watery part. And you have kept them to be eaten by whom you wish and when you wish. On the sixth day, you commanded the earth to bring forth before you cattle, wild animals, creeping things, and then it goes on. So here you have the Jewish writers kind of altering the creation story to make up for these other stories within the Bible. But they also write their own chaos comp. Again, it's that German theological word for creation coming about through uh, um, kind of like chaos fighting between monsters. Um, and in this particular case, you don't have the fighting going on, but you have the monsters. Two monsters uh, that represent the entire globe um you have one monster that represents all of the ocean all of the water and another monster that represents all of the land and so between these two monsters you you have chaos but the bible shows god slaying both leviathan or rahab and slaying behemoth uh, Job 40 talks about God's sword. A lot of people think it's talking about Behemoth having a sword or a part of his body that's sharp like a sword. But I think the research shows it's more that it's uh, God who has his sword and he will slay hey, Behemoth. Let, let his maker come with his sword bared, yeah. Yeah, and people translate that different through different translations, but it makes most sense that God is slaying Behemoth with a sword. And here you have that accounting for that, too. And we talked about this. I think Anthony brought it up last week. Um, there is this intertestamental idea that one day when God comes to fix the world, he'll slay the creature that is in the ocean. He'll slay the creature that's on the earth. And then the Christians go and eat them all. <laughs> yeah, Ziz is actually thrown into that in some of the Jewish stuff, it, too. That he slays all three. And they are feasts for the righteous, yeah. And I think Ziz can fit into this pretty well because tell me the three categories they fit into between the three of them. Well, that's just adding in air, the air, air. the sky. Okay. Uh, so Ziz it's the same the idea. Sky, yeah. It's the same idea that everything, all chaos, um, is that there's chaos everywhere, right? Chaos in the ocean, chaos in the land, chaos in the sky, in that case with Ziz. Um, yeah. And the idea, again, in Revelation, why do you have this unholy trinity of monsters? You have the dragon, that is Satan. We all know who that is. He's a serpent that has yeah. yep. led us all into this chaos kingdom. But then 
everything that is the ocean chaos throughout all of ancient history rises up to fight us alongside the dragon and then everything that is earth chaos rises up to fight us against alongside the dragon and because that's uh while that looks like three dragons in revelation if you just pay attention to the themes that john's doing because he never does anything specific he pulls everything throws it in a blender he's talking about all chaos creatures of all kinds satan behemoth leviathan yeah and the whole all. world all the land all the ocean all the air if you will just being unleashed in full so that god can then slay them all and bring about the fullness of the new right. creation so if it feels like like Job's short-lived Leviathan and Behemoth, which you know we've seen referenced throughout the Psalms and the Prophets as well. If it seems like they have no importance in the Bible, like theologically they're huge. It's it's a reminder to all of us. I mean, you know, Chris Chris himself has told us his story of the chaos that he's had going on recently. Um, and yeah. when we think of things like that, like theologically, what Leviathan and Behemoth mean for Chris. Is that when he faces his own chaos monsters, God has a reminder that he's bigger than those, that he has a sword, and that one day, even if we don't find the full um, release and freedom that we're looking for from those powers in this life, we will find the full release and freedom in the next Amen. when God finally does away with it all. So that that is where these chaos creatures fit in. They are the story of them is told to remind us that they have an end date. And that's, um, that's the story I, that Job needs to hear because that's what I do with them in the, yeah. is I use them as a driving force spiritually since they represent, since they're not technically cosmologically those things, but they are in the game. They are spirits that usurp that imagery. Mm -hmm. Um, I kind of use it as that's the idea that, these are the driving forces, the oppressive, unescapable, you know, that oppressive uh, mm -hmm. thing that, behem that Behemoth would be and the, the rebellion and chaos. Because I, I conflate, uh, because the Bible does a pretty good job of it, it's kind of way asking for it. I kind of conflate dragon and Behemoth, or I'm dragon and Leviathan. And so you've got rebellion and chaos, and then you've got this oppressive, tyrannical force. Uh, and those things are the forces behind every world empire world, world power throughout history these yeah. are the same spiritual forces behind the earth and and because that's why you see them in daniel mm -hmm. and they're not talking about they're talking about things that already happened and things that were happening in daniel's time at the time that daniel had these visions but then you also see it in revelation it's time after time after time i just have it as these same spiritual forces at work throughout history you know, for the narrative portion anyway. Yeah. That's part of the reason that the mythical side of this works so well for me is because God slaying a dinosaur or a beast out there means theologically, yeah, it's a good reminder that God will one day destroy any chaos I come across. But when I recognize that they're mythical in the sense that they are real, and that they are behind all these chaotic forces that assault us every day, I can look at those forces and join with Job, who faced his own chaos, all the more reason he has these creatures in his story, and say, 
You know, God said he was going to slay those forces in the background that are, are behind those. So the, that's part of the reason the mythical side does even more for me. It reminds me that Job's promise is, is real for me, too.